All right, welcome back to yet another episode of the Blasters and Blades podcast. Hey, all you crazy sci-fi and fantasy fans, it's time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the Blasters and Blades podcast. Just three nerdy veterans geeking out over our science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies. A place where magic is king, the sky is the limit, and space is the place. We are the podcast that puts dis- fun in dysfunction. I mean, I almost messed that up. Uh, but without further ado, we're going to let our guest, Miss Kaylee Stepkowski, did I get it right? Close, just without the W. <laughs> Hi, I'm Kosky, Kaylee Stepkowski. <laughs> yes. Okay. Can you introduce yourself to our listeners and viewers? Absolutely. So my name is Kaylee Stepkowski. I am a four-time best-selling author of the Ever series and my standalone book, Another Vision. All right. That was brief and to the point we dig it. So the next part <laughs> of the introduction, dear listener is how we first found them. So we actually found her through the map maven, Miss Kate Corsack, who was on the show both to interview her own, about her own uh, novels and on our recent fireside chats about maps. Uh, and so when I was doing the pre-show, she mentioned you, Kaylee, uh, as someone else who is on the younger side writing. Um, and so we decided to look you up on your Instagram and your pictures of your book covers were pretty. So I'm like, okay, we got to have you on. Um, so that that's working for you. Uh, there's a lot of us that came to writing a little bit later that are kicking ourselves that we didn't think to start writing things down at your age. Uh, I had other priorities back then, but so. Hey, you know what? That's fine. I never thought I would start down this path either. I mean, who would have thunk that I would be here today at 21 with four books and then soon to be five? I mean, you know, you just got to let life happen. <laughs> And, and we'll get into how that happened for you. But first, before we let the podcast continue, we have to ask you the religion questions. Are you ready for this? Oh, I'm ready. All right. Star Wars, Star Trek, or Firefly? I'm going to remix this for you because I'm here for Marvel. <laughs> okay. Not DC? Actually, yeah, I'm into DC, but like, not the newer ones. I'm really more toward like the Dark Knight Rises and stuff like that. I like those. Okay. So. <laughs> so what is it about comics uh, inspired stuff and superheroes that speaks to you? I just like how everything can change in an instant. I don't know. I just love how it brings our reality now and then twist it into something brand new, something that is mind blowing and even things that we can still relate to. I like being able to relate to the characters regardless of what planet they're on or what dimension they're in. Um, but yeah, that's definitely what stands out to me. But also who doesn't want these cool genetic powers, okay? <laughs> I mean, yeah, all day long, okay. all day do long. You have, do, you have, do you have a favorite superhero? Oh, of course I do. Captain America is my favorite. He's that classic That's the guy. right answer because he was army. <laughs> that's true that's true i mean yeah he's so action-packed but he's also good like he doesn't have to have a suit like no no hate to iron man i love iron man but captain america does like hand-to-hand combat also he has super strength so that's a plus but i really just like how it's like that organic combat okay so do you read any of the indie comics that are out there No, I don't really read into the comics. I'm more of the movie watcher, which sounds terrible because most most authors hate that. But I guess I turn tables some. (laughs) 
That's okay. Um, comics can be an expensive addiction. I mean, hobby to get into. So, because they're so short, and at the price, you're like, "Ooh, I just spent ten dollars for five minutes yeah. of reading." Um, <laughs> so I, I feel yeah. you. And uh, yeah. be, because we're polytheistic over here at the Blasters and Blades podcast, the fantasy religion, Game of Thrones, the Wheel of Time, or Conan the Barbarian. Oh, I don't know. Probably Game of Thrones. I would say. I mean. Who doesn't love the action part and also like the dragons and stuff, but I don't really watch too much of those. Um, I don't know. I like um, more. Do do? I don't know. <laughs> so if you're not watching the fantasy stuff, are you, what are you reading? That's fantasy. Anything really? I usually stick to, um, I really stick to like Kate and I do a lot of, Kate Korzak, who's the author of um, The Curse of Rago, we always do workshops through the week. So we read each other's books and really go into each other's um, work in progresses and stuff like that. So that's usually where I get all my reading in. And even if at my publisher, I'm their chief of promotions officer, but I also do a lot of their editing. So that's where my head is usually dived into. <laughs> Okay. So we here at the Blasters and Blades love both the fantastical and the scientific, but what was your first love, sci-fi or fantasy? Oh, sci-fi all day. And that's where it started um, with Marvel. I love the concept of twisting reality into something new, but it's all with the science and stuff like that. I love fantasy, but I didn't really get into the fantasy side of things until I met Kate. She really pulled me into it with all the swords and combat and medieval times and castles. That was never really my thing. And then I met her and this is the product of that. <laughs> you know, there are sci-fi properties that have swords. I mean, Jedi. No, there are. You know, there if, are. I a, if I had a lightsaber, I'd probably poke my eye out or, you know, cut my arm <laughs> off or something, just doing something stupid. Well, no, who doesn't want to sever something with a lightsaber? I didn't go much into right. Star Wars, but lightsabers, come on. Those are cool. They actually did a, um, they had a sword master analyze the concept of the lightsaber. And he was saying that uh, he does a lot of sword, um, what do you call it? Expert witness type stuff or whatever it would be mm -hmm. called. Uh, he's a sword expert for the movies. And one of the things he talked about with the lightsaber was because it's so light, you don't like when you're using it, you lose some of that sensation. So you're going to end up over swinging. And that's where your danger of, you know, if you're right-handed slamming and cutting off your left arm and vice versa, yeah. because it doesn't have that weight to it that you're used to with a sword. So it messes up your physiology. You're so right. I never thought about that. Cause you're right. A lot of the power from the swing of, of the sword comes with the weight of it. And then a lightsaber, well, it's meant to be, lighter in the hand and it's a light saber it's not built of metal completely so wow i didn't even think about and you that. don't have the jedi yeah. powers to uh to help you control it which is their you know wave your hand hand wave your answer to that mm -hmm. problem so if, if we mere mortals uh without them was it uh mighty chlorians god worst thing ever uh you know what i mean like if we if we don't have that it's anyway um, yeah. we're sci-fi nerds here. Um, All day. But what was your first memory of, of sci-fi? Was it, you know, a game, a movie? What, where did you first discover it? What was the property? Probably through, I think I was probably like in elementary school and middle school when I was, um, hearing all the Marvel movies were coming out. I didn't really get the concept. I was kind of like, that's kind of weird. I don't know. But 
as I started hearing more about it, um, I just thought it was so awesome how they could take just reality as itself and then make it into something legitimately out of this world and more so with just the slight change in genetics or even with technology that maybe we'll get to someday, who knows? But I just love that idea of expanding what we have and making it into something better as we still live in it. Okay. So speaking of making things better, what is it about speculative fiction that, you know, that's the umbrella term that encompasses all the cool things. What is it about speculative fiction that you love as a genre? That I can be, that me as the author can be whatever I want, be wherever I can imagine. I can let my imagination soar to new worlds and even just getting ideas from like, I'm a really outdoorsy person. I'm always outside. So if I see just different trees and landscapes and then I research them and dive into it um, and even mixing it in with different movies I've seen, I can see like ways you can expand environments to new worlds um, and even things with technology too. I mean, the world is getting bigger and with sci-fi, and even fantasy, you can make it even bigger and then just dive into it with your own work. Because I write from first person, so I like walking through the main character's point of view. Who doesn't want to be on a, in a different dimension or in a different world dealing with, I don't know, lightsabers, swords, or even riding dragons? I mean, that's just something that was so awesome to me, and I just wanted to be a part of it. So how did your love of the genre and all the, the potentiality that you saw there, how did that transition into you deciding to write stories in it? It was, that's actually a really funny story. So um, I, I, when I was 16 years old, I started college because I was homeschooled. So um, I was taking composition wait, one. Wait, wait. Which is... let's, let's back <laughs> that up. You started college at 16? Yes. I did. It was, but it's like dual enrollment. So I'm finishing high school and okay. then also completing some college courses. So um, I took composition one, which as we know is the bare minimum of writing as like what novelists do, just like APA format and MLA format. But I had to rewrite an essay into a story. Um, or I could have done like a painting or a song, but Kaylee can't sing and she can't paint. So she tried a story. So I rewrote my research paper about the Vietnam Memorial into a story, but I didn't want to do it from a soldier's perspective because I feel like that's really common. So I did it from a nurse who was there. So um, I called it a nurse's letter and I oddly enjoyed it because I wasn't one to be writing. I was always, everyone called me the tomboy. I'm always outside and doing things. So writing was a whole new field for me. So um, I really thought it was interesting and I wanted to continue writing, but I didn't know what to write about. I wanted to do something with like a sci-fi twist, um, something, I guess you say out of this world, but I didn't want to like copy like something like with Marvel or DC or Star Wars. I didn't, I didn't want to do that. So I prayed about it a lot um, just to see if I could get some sort of guidance. And I had this crazy dream at 17. I had a crazy dream. And you ever have just like one of those moments where you wake up and you're like, this is it. That's exactly what it was. Um, 
I met the main character of my first best-selling book and it was like the first two chapters of the book are my dream. Um, and it just took off from there. It, the story got away from me and here we are. <laughs> okay. So when did you finish the first novel then? So I wrote my first novel at 17 and then I wrote my second novel also at 17. Um, and while I was publishing my first book, um, I was in the midst of writing my third novel. So when I published my first book, I was 18 and became a best-selling author. And I finished then my third novel also at 18. A lot happened. <laughs> I, I mean, I was just doing push-ups for the cause at Fort Benning, but yeah, writing a novel is cool too. <laughs> so many authors will let their own real life experiences influence the stories they tell. So were there any specific formidable moments that you think shape you as a storyteller? Yes, absolutely. So um, I have auditory processing disorder. So basically anything audible, my brain processes it like a snail. It's terrible, but I can hear everything. It's just slow as molasses. So I love kind of putting in that aspect in my books whether it be like sounds and sensations and feelings. And it's when my main character kind of freezes up and they're just taking everything in, I can build it even more um, and just add more depth to the scenery or even like the situation that they're in. But with that disorder I have, um, I also get a hint of dyslexia. So I love, like I can just, I picture everything. So um my sister, actually, um, my younger sister, she is um, much more dyslexic than me. So she, it's hard for her for reading, but I thought this was a great opportunity to get her involved. So when I started writing my first book, again, 17-year-old Kaylee, who doesn't write really, was trying to write her first novel. I didn't know what I was doing. So I was reading a lot of it to her to see if she could picture everything because I want visuals. I want people to see it. I don't want them to be guessing. So um, I would read it to her and she would stop me mid-sentence and be like, I lost the picture. And I realized if I started a sentence, like, for example, like there was a knock on the door, I lost her. I lost her at the word there because she can't picture there. So I would have to rewrite so it could start a sentence, maybe like knocking on the door, um, made the room shake. So I can start it like that. And then I was able to weave that into my books. So with the visuals and sensations and audio, I was able to just apply it into all my writing and help the readers expand it, but also adding a piece of myself. Okay. And she was inadvertently helping you get rid of passive voice. Yeah, <laughs> basically. <laughs> so, so transitioning away from the writing side, let's talk about things from a fan angle. Now, we talked in the pre-show because we do some screening because we don't ask the questions if the answer is no, dear listener, because dead air is boring air and we don't want to bore you. But you mentioned that you haven't gotten any fan art or had anyone cosplay your characters yet. I know until you're big enough to have dedicated fans, that's harder to do in sci-fi because, I mean, I can't imagine building like space marine armor is easy. Um, yeah. It's a lot more easy to throw. Yeah. It's a lot more easy. It's oh yeah, I write the words. It's a lot easier to do some of the fantasy cosplay because you can build easier on things that exist if you're not sewing it by mm -hmm. hand yourself. So 
We have faith, though, that you're going to get some at some point, some fan art or some cosplay. So what do you think your reaction is going to be the first time that happens? I would be completely speechless, first of all, especially seeing um, characters and even worlds from someone else's perspective. Because what I'm picturing is going to be picture is going to be different than what everyone else is picturing. So it'll just be... <laughs> I think I would be completely speechless and I would be jumping out of my chair and plastering it all over my walls and wallpapers on my laptops and stuff like that. I think, I think that would be the coolest thing. Who doesn't want that? So you would fangirl, fangirl over your fans. Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you also mentioned that nobody has asked for your autograph yet. So like, what do you, when you envision the first time someone comes up to you and be like, Kaylee, I want your autograph and they hand you your book. Like how do you, how do you picture that in your head? My first answer would probably really, <laughs> I'd probably just answer straight up like that. But I think that would be the coolest thing. I mean, especially when you work so hard to write a story from point A to Z and you're just trying to make sure that everything lines up and people will enjoy it rather than just you as you're writing it on your laptop and your sweatpants. I mean, when people are reacting to it, I mean, that's just a dream come true. And if someone wants a piece of like my signature, that's amazing. So first off, your fancy sweatpants. Who said pants were required? And uh, <laughs> second, as long as you spell your name right, you're doing okay. I was so nervous the first time someone did that, I spelled my own name right. Because I mean, part of it is you're signing it in cursive. And how often do you use that anymore? Right. I know. And when I when I sign my name, I just scribble. I, it's not even legible as English. It's just like squiggles. But obviously, <laughs> if you're signing your name for for your, you want them to be able to actually know that it's your signature, right. not just good enough to fool the bank. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. So, oh, so yeah. I know. It, it, as long as you spell it right, you're already ahead of me on your first time. So. Oh yeah, absolutely. And then it gets to the part of how long my name is, Kaylee Stepkowski. Oh yeah. I mean, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> when I was in high school, I had to, I applied for a scholarship and one of the ones I applied for was a Marine ROTC scholarship and they required you to write this essay, but you had to handwrite the essay in cursive. Stop. The idea probably was to make sure you weren't cheating, right? Cause you, right. at a minimum, you had to write it by hand. I spent more time getting the cursive right than I did on the actual dang essay <laughs> itself. So, so like, that's just the bane of my existence. And yeah, then they expected well, Marines to do that. It's just... I know. It just wasn't uh, fair to them. No, that's <laughs> so not. Have you, <laughs> uh, have you ever seen anybody out in public reading your books? I have. I've actually um, have walked through a coffee shop and I saw someone holding my first book and I was, I didn't know that I would ever see something like that before. But um, I think they were somehow connected to maybe my friends or family. But um, even then, I'm like, hey, word of mouth is great. And seeing my book out in the wild rather than just sitting on my shelf or even on social media. I mean, it's just cool to see a project like that go farther than you had ever imagined. And so speaking of that book that we're going to talk about in a few few minutes, um, the link for that, dear listener, if you haven't noticed, we started linking the book we're talking about on the interview in the show notes. So we'll make it easy for you to find it at the end. But finally, uh, what is the weirdest or funniest interaction you've had with fans since you started writing? <laughs> 
Um, it's definitely when people start um, asking me, so are you the main character? <laughs> and it freaks me out because I'm like, oh, that makes it sound so self-centered. That's not what it is. Because um, my main character in the Ever series, um, she was me. She was me because I was her in the dream. But I didn't want her to be me. So I changed some aspects. But there are some pieces where people are like, so you wrote about yourself? That's kind of weird. I'm like, no, it's not. I, it's my first book I've ever written. I know myself, so I can kind of put in some pieces, maybe just my hair, my eyes, my height. I don't know, just things that help me relate. But yeah, it, it is kind of awkward when people just straight up say that to me and I have to sit there and try to make myself not look like I'm self-centered or something. <laughs> Everyone does that to a point. You put a little bit of yourself into every character in every book you write. So this is the part of the interview, uh, Kaylee, where you tell us about everything you have written. So can you give us the Reader's Digest version of your body of work? Yeah, sure. So I started off with sci-fi. So I just started with different dimensions, different worlds. Um, and as I kept writing, um, I wanted to bring in some fantasy aspects. So I wrote a book that goes into like um, light versus dark kind of pieces like angels versus demons, which brings in like swords and armor, which I didn't deal, I haven't dealt with that before. So um, I started going into that and even different like thriller aspects, but I realized I wasn't much of a thriller person, but it was fun to try out. But um, those are my published books, but I've, seven unpublished work in progresses that Kate Korzak and I go back and forth about all the time. Um, 30 minutes ago, I was talking to her about it, but um, it goes into more fantasy aspects, um, maybe more horseback riding at the beginning. And then it goes into um, duels and nightship and brotherhood and kingdoms and maybe manipulation of elements and, um, maybe even the concept of stars falling, but it's not sci-fi, it's fantasy. Um, so I really stick to sci-fi and fantasy and then even with it mixed together. <laughs> now, so what books have you written though? Besides, I mean, you've obviously you've written the three books in the Ever series, but what else have you written? Anything? Or is this your debut, like these four novels are the first for you? These four novels are the first for me. So I haven't published any other 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 pieces of um, written work. Um, so it would be the three books in my series and then my standalone. Um, and then I have other works in the making um, in my laptop, of course, but those have not been released. Okay. And just because I'm curious, did you actually know what Reader's Digest was when I when I said that or was that lost on the lost on you? <laughs> I do know, but I'm also not extremely engaged, you probably have noticed, in the book world, just because that was never really who I was. I was never really into reading. So um, it's still kind of a new world for me as I'm getting into it as a writer. Okay. I wasn't sure if I would uh, showed my age with that one, but all right. Well, all of that obviously <laughs> sounds fascinating. Before we dive into the book that brought us here, we are going to pause for a second while we shamelessly show for the years have passed since the Ixa almost wiped humanity from the face of the galaxy. Now they have returned with a prophecy of doom. 
and the prophecy is already coming true. Start the series readers are calling an action-packed military thrill ride. Download Supercarrier today, book one in the Ixen Prophecies trilogy, available from Amazon and Audible. All right, thank you for sticking with us through that commercial interlude. Um, so now that we've got that out of the way, let's dive into the book that brought us here. So Ever is the first book in a series by the same name. So you mentioned that the um, the original premise was the dream that you had, but how did the rest of the series evolve? Was it psychedelics, Ouija board, overindulging in, I don't know, expired candy, whatever your homeschooling let you do? <laughs> I love how you go into candy and stuff because I'm a homeschooler. <laughs> no, um, I actually... Um... I know a lot of homeschoolers. You can't get away with anything when your mom's right there. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I won't, I won't. Yeah, that's true. But usually it's how do you make any friends or do you do school and all your and do you do all your school in your pajamas? Yes, we did do all our school in our pajamas, but that doesn't matter. But anyway, so yeah, so with ever um, I started um, writing my first book. And again, it started with a dream. I didn't know where to really continue from there. I just kind of let the characters do it for me. So my main character discovers a new being in a space museum and he's clearly different from the rest as he shakes the building and there's military personnel surrounding the place. Clearly something's up. So I kind of just went along the lines of, all right, well, what would I do next? We should learn more about him. Should we go back and see what's going on? Should we do some research? Why is he here? Um, so I really brought in those aspects. And then, of course, what Kate and I love doing is when we hit that kind of lull of just like, OK, I don't really know where to go. You usually pull it, put in some sort of catastrophic event. So an earthquake that happens um, <laughs> or even um, just different connection pieces that happen with this glow that you'll see on the cover on their arms and necks and stuff like that. Um, so I really just followed along with how my characters would respond to different situations. But I also um, prayed about it a lot, too, because um, I am a Christian and I am very strong in my faith. So I like being able to put in maybe different aspects that I feel I'm called to weave in. So since you uh, you co you work with Kate so much, any plans on you guys writing together at some point? We actually have talked it's about it. A thing. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's... Okay. Um, so before we get started, uh, what would the age range of the Ever series be? Like, what would your target audience? So I really stick to teens and young adults. However, um, with my, I can't, I keep my books clean. I'm a clean person. I like that kind of stuff. So um, I have you know, like 10 year olds reading it. I also, I found out I have a fan club in a retirement community. So I found out nice. that I reach many different audiences. So, but I usually just stick to teens and young adults. So it's appropriate for, for parents that are asked, because we have some families that actually listen to this podcast together and they're mm -hmm. always wondering, is this appropriate mm -hmm. for my kids kind of thing? So yes, absolutely. The answer to that is yes, obviously absolutely. yes. <laughs> All right. So now the fun part is we have the cover up there. Uh, I stole this from her Instagram. So you should go check it out because 
quality there is a lot better than what I could get from uh, from Amazon. So <laughs> the cover on the left ever is the book art for this series. So, uh, but you notice a theme. So where did this this art like? What's the story of the evolution of this art for your cover? While you answer that, I will zoom in on the. Yeah. So I. Yeah. I've always liked being able to imagine my characters like by myself. Um, I always, when I was reading like different books, um, when I was younger, I would see like pictures, sometimes in like these little chapter books, you would see the images of the characters and it would ruin my imagination because I'm like, no, so-and-so doesn't look like that. <laughs> so that's why I liked using the silhouettes. You can kind of get the idea of who is involved in this book. But um, I also wanted to add the sci-fi aspect to it. So I have the purple night sky um, and it's purple because it reflects more in the book as the book goes on in the series. But um, and also I like putting in the white glow. So that's what um, ever my main character, um, that's what he manipulates and uses. So I like being able to reflect those intriguing pieces that kind of just hopefully draw the reader in. Okay, it helps if you unmute yourself. Um, that sounds interesting. <laughs> All right, so um, moving on to the book itself, what would your 30 second elevator pitch forever be? Rhea Fawn walks into a space museum with her best friend. The building, the building is surrounded by military personnel. They come to find that a being is being held there. He's not from Earth. They clearly know that because everyone is surrounding him. And every time he gets upset or a little confused by the uncomfortable environment, the entire building shakes. Throughout the whole story, um, they find out that Ever is not from Earth and they have to get him home. Um, so Rhea and her best friend, Andrew, do their best to try to get him back to where he belongs. Um, and in that story, you have different confrontations with the military and even natural disasters as Ever's glow takes effect on the world. So um, that would be my pitch. A lot of people say it reminds them of E.T., which I understand. I can see that, but it's more to it, I promise. <laughs> but does he phone home? <laughs> In a way, I, I suppose, but no, not but not quoted. <laughs> okay. So what do you think makes this series special? Because it's clearly a series. There's four books out or three books out. Yeah. Yes. So I think this series is special because it just, it's not your typical like alien invasion kind of thing. It's, it's just like one of those mysteries where you're trying to learn with the main character. You don't know his backstory yet. You don't know, um, any like, and on this planet earth, there are all these different dimensions. You don't know that. And I love that aspect of where you're just discovering new things along the way, but also what make it makes it unique is with this glow, it's not just, Oh, I have a power and it can do this stuff. It's cool. It's like harnessed by, um, bodily sensations. So emotions, their glow is manipulated by their emotions. So when they're angry, it can get stronger. When they're happy, it can get stronger. Um, but they're also able to tap into other people's emotions because emotions are powerful. So um, it's just kind of that different path. 
um, rather than what I feel like I've seen through sci-fi. So how did you get the idea for this glow? Because that sounds like essentially magic. It does kind of go along the lines of magic, but no, um, I got the idea from the dream. It was so weird. Um, I was the one standing before ever when um, everything started happening. The building started shaking. Um, I was freaking out. So um, I reached out to touch him and I was saying his name. And I'm like trying to calm the guy down because the building's shaking. And I felt this burning needle sensation. Like, you know, when your foot falls asleep and you shake it and it feels like that white noise sound basically all up and down. That's, that's what it felt like. But to like times a hundred, it was burning and so uncomfortable. But when it was on my arm, I instantly was able to get him to focus. And we were suddenly connected emotionally as if I can know how he's feeling and he can know how I'm feeling just by the environment and even just directly through that glow connection. So all from a dream. <laughs> I don't think I've ever remembered my dreams. That's a weird concept, but I know other people do. So <laughs> which, which tropes do you feel like ever we're going to focus on book one? Cause obviously like that's where everyone starts with the series and I'll make this episode evergreen, but which tropes do you feel like evergreen book one hits the best? Or ever, so, not evergreen. Yes, ever. So um, definitely friends to lovers. I love the enemies to lovers tropes. Like, that's great. Cool. It's awesome. But like, I love those strong friendships that you can build. Um, so definitely in the first ever book, it's friends to lovers, but um, it's all clean. I like clean. I like the slow burn. Um, it just makes it more real. Because in reality, you're really you're you're most likely not going to see that person. You're like, oh my gosh, he's drop dead gorgeous. Let's go. That's not really how it works, really. Sometimes, but in this case, I like to keep it real. I like to keep it um, relatable. So definitely, um, friendships. That's a really big piece for me, um, and that's a huge piece in this book. Um, but also putting in um, military aspects and how they're communicating with each other, and then. Um, bringing in real world pieces, but I go into many other tropes um, further on in this series, but um, forever, it's definitely the strong piece of that friendship arc. The enemies to lovers never made sense with for me, but these people clearly <laughs> don't know anyone who can hold a grudge. I know, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> that's not how that works. Enemies to their dead. But, I know, uh, like maybe competitors, like competitors, lovers, but like sometimes the strong enemy vibes. I'm like, I don't understand how you could go from that to that. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that, that that loses me too. But so, what about subgenres? Obviously, this is sci-fi, and it's listed on Amazon from your publisher as Christian uh, YA sci-fi. But mm -hmm. other than those two sort of wider arc umbrella genres, do you feel like there are any others where it fits? Yeah, so definitely Christian. Um, I don't dive into um, a really dense sense of Christianity, but I do mix in just like um, just morals and stuff like that. Um, there's also military aspects and intense trainings and stuff. So as the series goes on, you will get into trainings. Um, 
definitely um, sci-fi, but also the adventure aspect of it and the action. Those are um, other pieces that are really woven in. I have to stay entertained. And if there's not action and if there's not like a sudden change of events, you're going to lose me. Apparently, I have a really small attention span. So um, (laughs) adventure and (laughs) yeah, basically. So um, adventure and action, definitely all in there. But yeah, those are really the main sub um, genres. Okay. So because you mentioned it, because Amazon mentions it, you mentioned the religion and people are going to ask. So mm-hmm. on a, so is it just inspired by your, your moral convictions as someone who's a religious person? Or are there like, are you quoting the Bible in there? Like some, you know, the stereotype, I guess, of Christian fiction. <laughs> like, how would you describe that to someone? Like if they're not religious and mm-hmm. we're considering because they like the premise, this book. Yeah. So um, in my ever series, I am very light on it. I Um, a lot of how my characters respond and interact is really just inspired. I don't quote verses. I don't do that. Um, I don't um, go into my main characters like straight out saying they have a faith. It's really more implied. You may see on how they interact and how um, they act in different situations. But um, for those who are not religious, there's nothing you're, you would be fine because I personally don't like when people slam it in their face. I don't like that. Please don't do that. Be nice. Just weave it in gently and just add it to the story to add some depth. But yeah. It's so like our grandmothers always told us you catch more flies with honey than you do vinegar. That's yeah. a good approach for life. <laughs> so let's, let's move on to the story itself. So what can you tell us about the main character? Is it ever the alien is your main character? Is it the girl he finds? Like who are your main characters and what can you tell us about them? So my main character that you will be through the point of view of is Rhea Fawn. So she is a timid girl at first. Um, in like the first book she has, she has, she struggles with anxiety. Um, she lost her father at a young age. Um, his name was Logan Fawn. So um, it's just her and her mom and her best friend, Andrew. So it's a lot of her growing to be and kind of figure out who she is as a person. Um, She's more than just this anxious girl that lost her father. She wants to be more than that in her life. And that's what she's trying to pursue with her friend as they are going through college. So, um, of course, everything comes to a grinding stop because ever comes in. Um, so she has to then shift her mindset from, okay, I can't just sit back and be nervous and anxious about all these different new things. I have to take action. I have to take that first step into maybe becoming into a stronger person of who she is. So you wrote a coming of age story as you yourself were coming of age. Okay. Actually. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. That's it. (laughs) Okay. So what about secondary characters? Were there any that were especially memorable for you? And what can you tell us about them? Yes, for sure. So um, Ever is definitely a secondary character. Um, He, of course, is from, he's alien to Earth. So he's very different in different aspects. Um, I mostly, I love Ever mostly because everything is different he's on earth. It's not his normal place. So he speaks a little differently. He calls things different things like 
you, we call it a house or home that we live in. He calls it a dwelling. And of course, Raya is like, what are you talking about? A dwelling? It's a house. So um, it's always fun to weave in those little fun aspects with um, Ever and stuff like that as we learn more about him. But also that he has this um, woven caged strength that he has and he has to keep it suppressed as um, they go through the story because it's Earth and he has to blend in. Um, another secondary character is Andrew, which is Rhea's best friend. I love the guy girl best friend because when another guy comes in, the guy best friend starts just getting suspicious and he's asking all these questions and he embarrasses um, the main character, Rhea, with different questions and situations. So um, those are always fun to add in. Um, but he definitely adds that. Um, comedy relief in different areas too. And um, he just adds more life to the story. So I personally love Andrew. <laughs> okay. Um, what about the bad guys for this? Um, obviously we don't want spoilers, but what can you <laughs> tell us about the bad guys that these characters have to confront? So throughout the series, there is one person that they have to um, keep an eye on. He doesn't come up in the first book because it's not necessary with the situation that they're in. Um, he's briefly mentioned by Ever, um, just referring back to his home. Um, but toward the end of the first book, they do realize that um, Ever's commander from the other dimension that I'm not going to spoil because we're on book one. Um, is basically in search for answers um, from his accidental trip to Earth. So um, throughout the series, they are having to deal with him as he tries to separate Ever and Rhea and also um, just different pieces um, along the way. I don't want to spoil much, but that's really where that goes into. Um, the first book really, um, I guess you could say the enemy is... Um, just trying, the enemy is really the military, I guess you can say, um, mostly from Ever's perspective, because he's like, dude, I just want to get home, leave me alone. But, um, <laughs> but so I guess you can call it that in the first book, but really it's um, another character in the upcoming books. Okay. So, um, speaking of characters, we tend to do awful, horrible, no good things to ours. So if your characters met you in a dark alley and they knew that you were Kaylee Stepkowski, I, hopefully there I got go. it right this time. Um, <laughs> but if they knew who you were, the creator of the universe and the tormentor of their souls, how do you see that interaction playing out? Uh, I probably close my eyes and pray that I'll make it out. Okay. That would be first. And then, um, yeah, I probably wouldn't leave looking very nice or looking how I had looked when I had first walked in. But um, that's what we do to characters. It's what, makes it, it's what makes it fun. And besides, bruises and scars make you into who you are as you grow, right? But yeah, I'd probably get a few swings for sure. No doubt. Okay. And uh, since we talked about your characters, do you have a favorite character archetype when you write? Um... Yeah, probably um, from how I think of it, it's more of when you're starting from the bottom and you're trying to get to the top, but you're not necessarily trying to get to the top that everyone thinks 
um, the character's trying to get to. Usually there's some sort of plot twist that they have to work around and they find a new destiny, I guess you would say. That's how I kind of picture that. But um, that's definitely um, what I really run toward with my characters. Okay. Um, so finally, what can you tell us about the universe? Is this just modern Earth or is there are there differences? So with this um, Earth that we're dealing with, um, it's really exact to how we live now. That's how this is. However, with this series, it goes into other, I call it other faces of Earth. There are other dimensions. So that's when I bring into like um, modern aspects, different technologies, different creatures. But I keep Earth a clean version of sci-fi, basically. It's how we live now. And I like being able to wrap it up to where the readers can really relate to it. I just, I don't know. I don't like to go too deeply into sci-fi in this specific series um, on planet Earth because I like the readers to be able to relate and I like to see the characters interact in the same world that we do, but still adding different um, faces of Earth to where we can expand into the sci-fi nerd fun because duh, who does not love that? <laughs> okay, so where on Earth is the story set? So this story takes place in Gale, Texas. It's a really, really tiny town. I actually went to go visit it in 2019 um, as I was publishing the first book because I wanted to see it because I didn't have like a plan really when I set up the setting. I really just looked at a map and it was like, that's fine. That's what happened. That's why I picked it. So um, I went there and it's a really small town. It's so cute. Um, I think there's like one main stoplight, um, but it's, I just thought it was a really cool setting because um, I'm from the South. So I'm from Georgia originally. So that's why I really wanted a Southern state, but um, also a small town to where I can really play with it. So people aren't really familiar with it. So I can really change things um, to really fit my setting that I have for my book. Okay, so there are currently, like we mentioned, three books out in the series. All of the covers are on the uh, on the screen uh, for you to look at. And if you um, are listening, instead, we'll link everything obviously in the show notes, and you can you can check them out on her Instagram. She's got all the pretty pictures. But uh, what's next for these characters? Is their story done? So right now we have three. We have three books out. Um, I'm currently publishing and editing the fourth book, which is the finale of the series. This will end it. This will wrap it up. And I will admit I did shed some tears when I finished this book because it's like it's my baby. I wrote the thing at 17 and I continued writing it until I think I finished the last one when I was 19. So um, it's just been so connected to me. It was just weird ending it, but this is, um, this will be the last book for this series, um, and this storyline. So obviously we know that all the liter every literary universe, at least the good ones have its own internally consistent rules of science, technology, and or magic where applicable. So what sort of tech can we expect from these books? I like different texts that are used in like defense and stuff like that. So, 
Um, in the other dimension, that's, I'm not going to mention the name yet because you have to continue reading, but um, I have all these different technologies to where um, they can adapt to different dimensions. So there's different climates, so different um, suits that they wear, um, even communication devices. So um, whether it be through visual or even through um, different audio pieces, but I really like the defense pieces um, and getting um, different learning aspects of um, different environments. So I have pieces that will have like heat radiation. You can see like heat signatures and stuff like that, um, depending on the technology piece, but also like radiating the or examining the different consistencies between the dimensional spaces. So whether there be friction between dimensions, does it causes does it cause the character to have um, um, a weakness as they're going from dimension to dimension? And how do they do that? So um, I really like going into those pieces. Um, not much weaponry with these because they have an, an organic weapon with their glow, but um, definitely within defense and um, even structure. So of all the technology that you have in this universe that you added beyond what exists now, which what would you want for your daily use? Ooh, that's a good one. Probably, oh, that's hard. Okay, I do know one. So in book three, it's not told until book three, but it doesn't, it doesn't spoil anything, but it's this technology piece called the prism. So it looks like a crystal prism. And um, it's able to reflect like different environments. So I can be anywhere at any time without, um, it's kind of like a VR. It's basically a VR where you can like zoom in on different places and just be anywhere at any time. And it's a live surveillance almost. I mean, I think that's cool. <laughs> Call me weird, but I, I think that's definitely my favorite one. So how would you abuse that? technology <laughs> oh probably <laughs> i mean don't you can worry do, we're like... not telling your pastor he won't listen <laughs> <laughs> probably okay so there's like two levels there's like one where it's like um i live in florida so how are the bush gardens lines are they bad should we go today should we go tomorrow and then there's the other level where it's like so and so is not talking to me let's see where they are and let's see what they're doing like right now so there's also that <laughs> A little bit of stalking here and there. Okay. Okay. Right. Come on. It's fine. Pro right. Professionally. She's <laughs> right, just going to exactly. research the author she works with for her publisher. Okay. Yeah. All right. All and so obviously you mentioned that you have um, aliens in this one and that the specific alien in the ever series was created from your dream. So this is obviously going to be more hypothetical for you, but how would you go about creating aliens and or magical creatures when, when you write them in future projects? Do you think you're going to let your nightmares continue to inspire you or dreams? Uh, let nature uh, make stuff up out, out of whole cloth or maybe legend and myth. Like what do you think you're going to use to uh, inform these creations? I really like the aspects of my um, characters coming from dreams. I just like that, um, especially because, you know, our brains are so complex. We can, our dreams are basically all these different pieces of our day to day and even in our past just mushed together as we're sleeping. So they're new creations of our reality. And I like being able to apply that. 
But um, I also like being able to um, wrap in maybe biblical references. There are some cool creatures in the Bible. Like, like in Revelation, there's like these like dragon things. Like, okay, that's cool. Come on. So um, probably definitely around those lines. Um, I really like being organic with my pieces. Um, but I'm learning more on building um, like those myths and legends things like Kate is really good at that so she's really coaching me through that right now so um I'll probably work on that more later but I really like sticking with my dreams okay now can you control your dreams to the point where you can weaponize that otherwise you're at the uh at the leisure <laughs> of the muse so to speak that's fair so um I <laughs> I cannot control all of my dreams. I'm able to control a few, but that's very, very rare. But a lot of times um, I just wait and see what um, God is leading me to write. Um, if there's a story that he wants me to write about, then he'll show me. So, and he hasn't stopped. So I'll just listen, right? <laughs> okay. That's a succinct answer. So we will move on. So, <laughs> Clearly this interview is winding down, but before we wrap this up, was there anything about the Ever series uh, in book one in particular that we didn't ask that you wanted to tell us? Um, ooh, that's a good question. Um, oh, actually. So I think one of my um, fun, okay. So this is one of the things that I really like about the connection between Ever and Rhea is that they're able to um, connect with this glow, but also like protect each other. I like the aspect of um, my male lead and my female lead working together on a level to where they complement each other's strengths. So yes, Ever is a being from another dimension. So yes, he's extremely powerful, but Rhea is also powerful in her own intelligence of her environments around her and on earth ever is going to interact differently with humans than Rhea is because Rhea is a human. So, um, I really like being able to, um, pull my characters together with their own strengths that complement each other without having this one dominant person that can overpower everyone. <laughs> Okay. Um, is it available? It's obviously available because we're looking at it in print and ebook. Is it available in um, audiobook as well? It is not available in audiobook yet. That is something that I will be doing in the future. Okay. Um, is it a wide book or are you with Amazon exclusively at the moment? Um, at this moment, I am exclusively on Amazon, but um, eventually I'll be um, pumping out the books through different windows. Okay. Uh, before we let you go, dear listener, this is the part where I remind you to please be kind and speak your mind on the reviewing platforms. Your reviews help the right readers find the right book. So do your part. And uh, rumor has it when every author gets their hundredth review, they will personally deliver a unicorn to their front door. And I, for one, would love to know what a unicorn steak tastes like. So do your part, <laughs> people. Inquiring minds want to know. Uh, so how do you take your steak if we're growing up this unicorn or you probably want to let it live and like ride it and be all wholesome and stuff? <laughs> I mean, I suppose if you get a unicorn at your door. 
<laughs> so, so how do you take your steak? Uh, like legitimately, how do I take my steak? <laughs> yeah. Because I brought it up, people are going to want to know. <laughs> Actually, people hate my answer. I don't know if you want to hear it. <laughs> ah, be brave. You can do this. I like mine well done. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. I always get hate for it all the time. People always get mad at me because they're like, no, the flavor's gone. I'm like, I think it's more flavorful when it's well done. But hey, haters are going to hate. So all well. <laughs> The, uh, the ones that amuse me are the ones that, like, I want the cow still mooing when they cut it up yes. and put it on my plate. I'm like, you're basically a vampire, people. Yes, I'm talking to you. You know who you are. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> that we can relate on that. <laughs> I, go, I go for medium well, and I get, I get hate, too. I, I even had a waiter do that once a couple years ago when I was at a restaurant. He's like, ooh, do you want to reconsider? I'm like, I said what I said, sir. Um, so, exactly. <laughs> So, so Kaylee, can you let me move this off the screen? So, if they want to know how to spell it, they can look. Um, but can you tell listeners and uh, viewers how they can find you on the internet so they can, you know, stalk you and buy your books and do the things? Yes, absolutely. You can find me on Instagram. Um, my account name is Kaylee Stepkowski Author. Yes, it's a very fun name to spell, but yes, I am there. That is really where I stick. I'm always posting reels and photos and updates of my um, writing journey as I'm continuing to dive into the book world and also releasing more books. So you can find me on Instagram. And if you, like me, are stuck in the burbs and you're yearning for nature, she posts lots of nature pics. So she takes her <laughs> camera with her on her walk. You should check those out. For a moment, you can sort of pretend that you're not stuck in your cubicle farm. Um, so <laughs> with that being said, you can find us on Twitter at twitter.com backslash SF underscore fantasy underscore show. Again, Sierra Foxtrot underscore fantasy underscore show. You can email us at blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com. Again, blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com. Uh, we do answer those. So, so do your part people. If you want to reach out to us or you could find me personally on Facebook, you know, the deal it's my name. Um, you can find us on Facebook in our group where all the shenanigans happen at facebook.com backslash groups backslash blasters and blades podcast again backslash group backslash blasters and blades podcast. We do have a Facebook page. Uh, Doc will eventually get around to getting us that dedicated URL, but you could look for it directly. And when we finally get it, we'll throw the links everywhere. We have a website at anchor.fm backslash blasters, tacky and tack blades. Again, anchor.fm backslash blasters, dash and dash blades, where you can help support the show and help keep the lights on for as little as 99 cents a month, people. These podcasts aren't free to produce, and we appreciate all of your support. Speaking of support, you can support us more directly over at buymeacoffee.com backslash author J.R. Handley. Again, buymeacoffee.com backslash author J.R. Handley. Be sure to put in the comment section that it is for the podcast. And I promise I will keep my co-hosts, Doc Seska and Nick Garber, duly caffeinated. They will drink until their liver explodes. Uh, and with that being said, thank you for sticking with us. Uh, thank you for coming, Kaylee. We appreciate your visit. Thank you so much for having me. It was so much fun going and nerding out over books. I don't get to do that enough. Absolutely. <laughs> you, you should fix that. But uh, thank you, dear listener, for spending your precious time with us. For the absentee Nick Garber and Doc Seska, I am J.R. Hanley, and this was the Blasters and Blades podcast. We'll be back next week at the same time where we'll indulge our love of nerd culture, cheesy jokes, and all things that go boom. And we're out.